Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as The Dad Author on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I've travelled to London to speak with co-founder of My First Years, Dan Price. Dan is husband to Hannah Beth and father to his baby boy, Alba. Dan speaks to me about the death of his dad and how it's inspired him to succeed in life. You can find Dan at the My First Years website. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so today I have travelled to London and I am meeting someone who is a very special guy. I discovered him through actually an article through the Daily Mail uh, to do with grief and bereavement and it's Dan Price. Hi Dan. Hi, hi, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks so much for uh, being a part of this today. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, for the listeners, I'm not sure if you could tell them a bit about yourself and who you are. Sure, so yeah, um, I'm Daniel Price, I'm 32 years old, I've, I've actually founded a company called My First Years uh, around eight years ago. And I guess uh, why I'm obviously here speaking with you is unfortunately I lost my father when I was uh, 13 years old and that's kind of given me the drive in life to uh, to kind of or gave me the drive to set up the business extremely motivated and and yeah and I've just just had an amazing addition to our family this year a baby boy called Alba uh, who's six months old and um, yeah been married two years amazing so yeah in terms of obviously you've kind of introduced yourself in terms of the grief element of of that and with your dad and we've got we've got quite a lot in common in terms of you know my dad died when I was 12 your dad died when you were 13 you know in, in sort of really important times in your life are you able to tell the listeners a little bit more about you know maybe when your dad died and how you found that and and how it affected you yeah sure so um yeah so my dad died uh, as i said when i was 13 and he, growing up, I, just, I remember he had a couple of back operations and doctors identified a mole on his body. So um, he actually got diagnosed initially with a form of melanoma. It was in the 90s. And then I was eight or nine years old when, when it first came, uh, came out. And then he, he was told not to go in the sun. And unfortunately, he, it was at a time when sunbeds weren't, weren't publicized to be horrific for you. And being slightly on the vain side, I guess, like he was going on a couple of sunbeds uh, a week or every couple of weeks, which was obviously extremely dangerous. And then in 1998, um, it came back when I was 11 years old, the skin cancer came back and it was like malignant melanoma at the time. And all I remember is hearing my mum and dad talking about scans and and I just thought, I remember seeing, must have seen it on a TV program or a film and I just associated scans to cancer and thought the worst. And then it was 
a couple of really tough years yeah until the ultimate day do you remember when you first found out clearly do you know is that something that's really stuck in your mind yeah yeah i, I think the the two occasions that stand out uh, the clearest for me are firstly when my so my parents had recently split up um they split up when, when i was 11 and but my dad was over for dinner and I remember him talking to my mum I was at the top of the stairs probably hiding actually and listening um they were talking about these scans and that he thinks he's got cancer and I just remember that really really vividly and then this, the second thing I really really remember is then coming home from school one day it was a Friday and I just saw the look at my mum's face and I just said this was like two years later and I just said, look, just what, what is it? It's dad, isn't it? And she kind of said to my sister, uh, Natasha and I, come in, come inside. Um, so we did, we sat down and she then delivered the news that, that the doctor said that they think there's three days left and, you know, for my dad to be around. And that was obviously the toughest thing that you could ever hear. So they, they gave you three days until he passed away yeah I think at that point we had we had, we had a real a real choice to make because he we'd seen him about 10 days prior when he was still looking him like himself and what we had heard is over the 10 days and the reason we hadn't seen him is because he'd actually he'd gone like a lot very scrawny and he um he just wasn't looking himself at all so I spoke to I spoke to the doctors, spoke to a friend of his, and we had a really we had a tough choice whether to go and see him when there was less than seventy two hours to go, and when all we thought of was in the future, we want to remember him for all the good times. Right. So, so that was a really tough choice. That is such a hard choice to make, isn't it? Um, you know, did you did you decide not to see him? Yeah. So we. Yeah, I, I said to, to Tash, my sister, I said, look, we, we, we want to remember good times for the future. I said, I promise you, if we go now and see him, it's just going to make this 10 times worse and we, we shouldn't go and see him, basically. Uh, so we didn't and it was the best thing, best decision because we've got so many good memories. And the sad thing is, I remember calling him up, we phoned him up, phoned the hospital up, um, got through to his room speaking to him for you know five minutes um he asked me what the man U score was because he's a big man U fan we hadn't even played that day i just said we won three nil and he then he spoke to my mum and he asked my mum if we needed the number the room number for to get through to his room and she was she said we're on the phone now like we've, we've got the number and i think then we realized that actually he was starting to wither away and not not only physically but also um like mentally and so I, I feel like we made the right choice i mean it's pretty special you got to actually talk to him over the phone wasn't it in the end and um that's such a it's quite an adult decision that you guys had to make isn't it you know because normally the parent would be making that decision like come on i think it's important you go and see you know your parent your father so yeah i mean and at the age of 13 that's it was quite huge wasn't it yeah yeah it was i think obviously my our mum helped us uh a lot with the decision um she also agreed with it um but yeah it was a big decision but the right one 
Wow. Yeah, that's... And, you know, like we talked about before, you know, in terms of the variances of grief that everybody goes through, you know, everyone's is individual and different and, you know, my circumstance was different to yours. But the impact of grief at that sort of age, you know, I'm, you were in secondary school, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. And, and so was I. How did you, how did you cope and deal with your grief in secondary school? Yeah, so I... Um I took, I think both Tash and I, we took two weeks off from what I remember, I think. Um, and I must admit, I so <laughs> it was obviously horrific. It was the worst feeling we've ever felt. And it was then kind of, I knew I was ha- you know, having to be the man of the house. But with, you know, when it was linked to school, the support we had um, from, so firstly, the teachers was amazing. But the people that I, I'd always just about, you know, said hello to in the school playground, um, they were almost, uh, it was overwhelming. Like they were sending me messages and you know, I remember the best The best part of a horrific situation was you know, getting text message from from uh, one of the girls in the year above that I'd never spoken to and I always thought, oh, that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's nice. Um, and uh, and we, you know, I got a text message saying, um, it's obviously really sorry to hear, you know, et cetera, but the, the support was amazing. But you just felt like very popular and very welcomed um, and everyone was was there for us, which was so important. Yeah, that's uh, I remember that so clearly as well. Just being quite different in a sense, you know, when you've lost a parent at that sort of age, you know, not a lot of children would have. So, yeah, that kind of sense of feeling a little bit different. And when you go back to school, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's really strange. Everyone deals with it in different ways. I think we both made like conscious effort not to bottle uh, things up because we felt we would have taken it out on people and our aggression and you know uh, why us why has this happened to us and I think we from that moment we realized that we've got to be positive about this for the future even though we were so young so it's crazy to think that at 13 and then my sister being 11 that we both decided together to to make to make something good of our lives from from this terrible situation do you think that was a conscious effort you know in terms of because I remember I was thinking a similar way and and I still do to this day and it probably leads us quite nicely on to the fact of you know and reading your article in the Daily Mail and obviously hearing your story more there and this this podcast is called Grief, Grief is My Superpower because I believe that you can take positives out of a really terrible situation which you guys obviously have done but then you've gone on to achieve what you're doing now do you think that has given you and inspired you to to go on and succeed? Yeah, for definite. Growing up, my dad always wanted to better himself in his career. And I think he was unlucky. Um, he, he always had ideas. So he's always be coming up with different things. And I saw that entrepreneurial flair in him. And I think it got to the point where a couple of things almost came off and they didn't. And then when he passed away, I really, I just remember clearly thinking that I am the man of the house now. I've got to not only do my mum proud, who's been incredible for us um, and was through the years and still is, um, but also to look after my family. And I think that drive of something like that happening um, at such a young age or any age um, has really driven me uh, in every way. And so nothing is a no for me in life i'm going to succeed and the exciting bit is the how i always my grandparents uh who were like second parents to us they thought i was crazy when 
when I told them the idea about my first years before we before we launched and I just said look I'm going to do this for the family I'm going to become a success and this the the how is the it's like the Aladdin's magic carpet ride as I refer to it and I think like that is because I felt the worst feeling in life and nothing could be worse than that so you really so you're so driven to just just go through any any hurdle or obstacle that you come across to overcome it and just make a success of yourself i completely relate to that and any listener who is young who is going through loss at the moment you know that is a really powerful message isn't it you know that through this terrible time you can go on to succeed and use it as you know as good and um yeah talking about coping techniques um in terms of the way that you've approached your grief you know did, did you ever find yourself using any coping techniques after your dad's loss my sister and i i think we went a couple of times to see a therapist just to have that initial discussion and i think that was that was about it and then in terms of like how i coped with it from an early age i just remember thinking that this has got to be this has got to get better in time and i think that's what the one of the things i've learned uh, growing up and now is that no matter what situation, whether it's um, uh, bereavement or anything bad that happens, the only thing that can help is time. And and that's that's the key. Uh, so it's just, unfortunately, it's a bit of a waiting game, but you, you come out the other side. And I think I always knew that I would come out the other side um, to to a place where I would be at one, at one stage, I'd be happier than I was before it happened. But because I'd learned to learn to deal with it and I progress my life uh, so much more yeah that's quite an important point isn't it I mean talking about time and you know I kind of used to think time as a healer as well and, and I totally agree with you you sort of build your grief around the time as well don't you in terms of just living with it in yes a sense. yeah coping as well um, another thing you do is well not everyone does but I think it's important to talk and and not necessarily talking about it every day but this, first of all, always applying, you know, what, what would my dad have done in this situation? And yeah, make, making you feel good that you've, you've kind of almost, I know you haven't made a joint decision, but you almost feel like you have. And then talking about it, like, so bottling it up, I, f- I feel can be the worst thing because then you, you build up this anger and aggression and you take it out in different ways, whether that's losing sleep, whether it's being argumentative, whatever it is. And I think um, just talking really helps and, and having a good old cry every now and again. Yeah, I mean, that's another important one, isn't it? It's just feeling free to just open up and cry. You know, it's okay to feel sad, you know, all of these things, which in terms of the UK, sometimes there is that stigma and taboo that can be around grief that, God, we can't talk to them because we might, you know, upset them or say something. But in my opinion, that person has felt the lowest they're ever going to be. And so they kind of want to talk about their grief in a sense. Yeah, I think so. I just think when, um, yeah, totally agree. I think when um, someone hasn't experienced that, they they just feel so bad for either bringing up or even partaking in the conversation that often you get a um, so someone will say, "I'm really sorry," or and and I guess when you've uh, dealt with a loss like that, I'm not sure. If, same for you, but I always um, I almost make um, a, a joke out of a lot of situations, and that's how I get through things. Um, so when someone says sorry, my immediate response or normally what I think in my head is, why are you sorry? You didn't kill him. Um, but it almost makes it, it, makes it slightly yeah. awkward. It can be a difficult one for anyone that's, you know, trying to help someone through that difficult period. I mean, in terms of schools and the way that we can approach grief, you know, obviously back when we were young, 
things were a little bit different. What do you what do you think schools might be able to do a little bit different? I mean, it sounds like you were really well supported, and to be fair, I, I was helped a lot through through my loss as well. Do you think it's just giving children a bit of space to be able to talk about how they're feeling and feeling open enough in, in a, the right space at school to to open up? Yeah, I think I think um, I think I remember everyone was amazing at the beginning. Um, and then it was, oh, um, they're back at school now and they kind of, they just wanted to treat us as normal as possible. I feel like having a, especially the first three to six months, having like a once a week or even once every couple of weeks, um, just chat with someone at the school, for example, um, whether it's the head of year or whoever it is, someone that's going to make you feel a bit special but also like they they're kind of like your uh i guess the equivalent of a buddy like I, oh well like a mentor someone that's there for you to steer you through some bad places you could go to if you didn't have that face you know facetime with someone yeah and also i mean one thing that i've spoken about with previous guests where their parents have died from cancer and they found that they grieved when they found out about the initial news that they had the cancer and then also there was the after effect. Did you find that with your dad? Or because you found out a little bit later, maybe you didn't have that experience? Yeah, I think, yeah, so seeing other people that, that, I've, that I know that have lost someone, um, I think now nowadays looking at it, it's I think the toughest thing and where people get the most emotion from is the initial blow. Um, so by the time it does come to the really obviously a horrible situation, uh, they are more at peace with it, um, unless it's obviously a instant death or a sh- you know. For me, I was so young that I didn't understand the initial blow. I didn't understand what that was. I just thought, okay, yeah, of course you link it to death, but I thought there's no way that he's not going to be around for all these big future milestones coming up. It's, it's just going to be okay. So for us, it was the blow was actually, you know, having the the reality hit home, which was he's not coming back. And I think that for us, uh, for Tash and I, was was the hardest part. That was the biggest blow to you. Yeah. 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 Um, and I guess also that kind of leads on to, um, you know, those special events throughout the year. And now we've talked a little bit earlier Father's Day is this Sunday. For anyone, this this will be released after Father's Day. But it's it's quite. I mean, it's a it's quite an emotive topic, isn't it? Specifically for for you and I, obviously. But over the last six months, you're now a dad yourself. So, how do you view Father's Day now? Do you think? Yeah. So I I've been um, dreading the date. I guess every year uh, every year for eighteen years now and. Always, always wanted to get to um, a place where I was really looking forward to it. And obviously that was going to be when I um, had kids. Yeah, six months ago, we had our first baby boy, Alba. And I'm absolutely buzzing for Sunday because it's been a day that I've dreaded for so long. And um, yeah, yeah, look, it's bittersweet. But I think this Sunday is the first, the first day, the first year where I could actually say, oh, of course, I always think about my dad on that day, probably watch a few videos, but also really enjoy the day with Alba. And I've got to also bring him up on that day, talking about his Papa Gary and what he was like and kind of looking up to the clouds, uh, telling him some good stories. Obviously, at six months, he's not going to have a clue what I'm talking about, but he eventually will. Um, but I'm really, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I remember that initial feeling of holding Otis 
in my arms for the first time, becoming a dad for the first time, such an emotional feeling for me because of, like you said, that heartache, you know, throughout all of these years and then leading up to that moment of becoming a dad myself. Like, it's such a special feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it's the best. Um, it, it really is. And it's also, look, it's obviously it's upsetting because um, he's obviously never going to meet meet my dad, but it's, it's the best feeling now um, and you want to just do everything you can for them. But yeah, no, I think, and I think another thing is um, you receive all the emails every year, don't you? Like last minute, um, last opportunity for Father's Day or where are you taking your dad this year? Have 20% off um, this theme park or whatever it is. And I always used to hate getting those emails and used to think how, um, you know, insensitive companies could be sometimes because who, who's on their database? They have no idea what's happened, uh, who they've lost. And I think this year I'm receiving all these emails and I'm actually smiling and thinking, God, I hope... Uh, Hannah Beth has sorted out some nice presents uh, <laughs> for me this Sunday. I hope she's got that memo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's lovely. And uh, and a really lovely way to sort of end that sort of section, I guess. Um, one thing that I've introduced for uh, this particular section of the podcast is I have some questions from the children at Winston's Wish. I'm just going to run through a few of these and a few uh if you wouldn't mind answering some. Um, so the first one is, how do you make yourself feel happy when you are feeling sad? I think about my dad, good times, good memories um, that we had. Um, and I just think how at every stage, I guess I've always felt like this, um, that how proud he would be. Um, and that then always, always uh, brings a smile back to my face. Um, no matter what the situation is also, I always think, how bad could it be? Like we've, <laughs> I've experienced the worst. So get over it and think about good things and be happy. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Next one is what piece of music reminds you of your dad? So Dave Brubeck, Take Five, which is uh, for those of you that don't know, it's a uh, it's a jazz piece, but amazing um, music. Um, and Van Morrison, he was a huge Van Morrison fan. Um, in fact, Van Morrison is probably the the most um yeah the most frequent musician i think of because i remember turning up to we went to brighton to see him live uh i went, went with my dad and my dad was so upset with van morrison that he hadn't sang a few of the songs on his album that he went up to the stage and started shouting at him uh so that's who i think of <laughs> got him to rearrange his set list yeah exactly <laughs> okay and lastly what do you do to remember your dad on important days like their birthdays, etc. So I will um, typically go out with my mum and sister on his so his birthday. So August the seventh every year we we have a big celebration where we go out for dinner. Usually have a bit of a cry, which is really really important. Um, however strong some of the things they are, you're stronger if you cry and if you can show people that. Um, we talk about good times um, and bad times when he was around, like both. Talk about funny moments. Um, and just just remembering um and i think okay so the the number one thing i've i guess i've done or one of my um proudest achievements um which is linked to that question is um it would have been my dad's 60th birthday last year i can't remember if i've actually told you the story but we um so it would have been my dad's 60th and because my sister lives abroad um i told her to be in london at this particular date and she didn't she didn't i told her not to ask why and what happened was um i really wanted to celebrate his 60th in style 
So going back 20, 25 years, we used to go to Disneyland. Uh, or we went a few times and it was such a special place to to us, the four of us in our family. And then when my dad passed away, um, my mum took uh, Tasha and I to Disney a few times and we just, it was the most epic, special place for us. Um, so I told them when I was 13, just after he died, uh, my mum took us there. I said, when I'm 30, I'm going to bring you both back here and we're going to stay at the hotel that we always look at when we drive, uh, when we go past on the boat, um, when we've come from our basic hotel. <laughs> and it, it was last year that I um, I was lucky enough that I was able to do this, saved up a lot of money and and went to, um, we went to Disney in Orlando. So I got my sister over, turned up at my mum's apartment at five in the morning and she had no idea that I was turning up at all. Um, and I just said, wake up, um, nothing's happened, don't worry, let us in. And we went in and we said, you need to pack a bag. She had no idea that my sister had come back either. So there was so many surprises. We turned up to the airport and she was crying already by seeing my sister, but I said, I'd branded everything because my dad's name was Gary. So I branded everything GP60 from caps to hoodies and bags and we were all wearing it. And I just said, look, you've been an incredible mum to us. Um, over the years and we're going to celebrate dad's 60th in style so we spent a week in in orlando and that was kind of the number one celebration for us today that's amazing and that's really special memory for your mum as well isn't it and your sister yeah exactly it so happened it was my mum's birthday over that week as well which was even more special yeah so a long-winded answer but an important one to actually to say like yeah do something it doesn't have to be that extreme but do something every year to celebrate that's it. How how big or small, it doesn't matter as long as they're remembered, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. So one last question and one that I always end my uh, my interview on is, if you had a moment to sit down with your dad for one last time, have you got anything that you would like to ask him or talk to him about? That is a interesting question. Um, hmm. I think... I'd probably like to ask him what his thoughts have been over the last uh, nearly 20 years about how how I and you know how my sister how we've handled life um, at the different milestones at, diff- at difficult points at crossroads at tough decisions how he's felt we've handled ourselves and almost represented the family um, and any kind of any uh, advice or anything he would do um, to change how we are as people um, I think for me that would be amazing to to understand and to know because I always wonder um, what would dad think or you know um, yeah and I guess I guess a quick recap over the 20 years um, in in a short meeting I guess would be an amazing thing to have yeah that would be amazing wouldn't it yeah, yeah. and obviously unfortunately however good technology is uh, these days uh that's pretty unlikely probably to happen, but it's something nice to think about. No, I think it's something nice to think about. So, you know, I always think through, um, about myself and what I would say to my dad if I had one last conversation. And uh, yeah, I think that's brilliant. So Dan, thank you so much for taking your time out to talk with me and, you know, giving us your outlook on grief for our listeners mainly, you know, for young people out there that are listening to your inspiring story and how far you've come in so many years after the loss of your dad. So thank you so much. That's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.